Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Specters, welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots, and I'm here, as usual, with the wonderful, the only... N7 the legend actually the only N7 the legend there are several N7 legend that's why we had to add the the in the middle uh, how's it going Sam how, how you doing buddy that's a good crash course as to why I had to choose the username that I did um yeah. so yeah unfortunately I I would have gone with N7 legend but then I would have gotten a weird number after it and that's no fun so no. um yeah. anyway I'm doing well uh, I'm doing very well because I just bought a gaming PC yes! the other day. One of us. So I finally pulled the trigger on it. One of us. And it is set to arrive on the 13th. Uh, yeah, still still got to wait for it a little bit. But and one of us. Tom Tom here is actually the one who, who helped me find the deal. Uh, so this was a crazy deal. Uh, and assuming that everything works out well with the PC, I can't believe that... You know, I got this machine for this price. It's it's truly a work of art, and I'm going to be streaming Mass Effect Legendary Edition on it when mm-hmm. I get it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're going to turn all the details all the way up. You're going to have oh, yeah. you're going to have super good details, all the details. Um, real quick, for anybody who knows PC stuff, he's going to have a terabyte SSD on this thing. He's going to have a 3070 NVIDIA RTX graphics card. 16 gigs of RAM. What else do you have? You have a, it's a, what is it? A 560 AMD. AMD Ryzen 5 5600 X. 5600, right. So yeah, this thing's, anything you throw at it, this thing's going to be able to run. You can turn all those details all the way up. It's going to be awesome. Put on, you know, 4X anti-aliasing. No jaggies. It's going to look sweet, dude. Yeah, this is by far going to be the most advanced machine I will have ever owned. And just to give people another refresher as to how big of an upgrade this is going to be for me, my current PC that I'm doing this podcast on right now is a 2012 MacBook Pro that is running its hard drive. Its internal hard drive has died and it is running its OS off of an external hard drive, uh, which is an Amazon Basics brand external hard drive <laughs> so that's oh, no. that's the level of the struggle bus that we're on at the moment um but not for long we're going from the struggle bus to the normandy <laughs> it takes a full seven minutes to boot um all right so we have a uh we teased a, the episode today the episode today was a surprise topic we tweeted it out we were like hey we're not telling you guys what episode you're getting today and everybody who's hanging out with us on twitch the live show audience all of these people are here going yay new pc but what the heck are we talking about today and so the chat in here has decided that we must be talking about nipples and so today's topic we're talking about the nipples of all the different races across the galaxy the hairy ones the big ones the small ones the ones exist with multiple areolas the ones with tattooed areolas the ones with four-dimensional areolas (laughs) the I can see the BuzzFeed article now. Ten nipples in Mass Effect you didn't know you wanted. You know what? I think we should start our own blog where we just make up 
details like fake lore details about mass effect stuff and then we just photoshop pictures to make it look like it's real things and we just see how long that goes until eventually we just get shut down danny devito made a cameo in mass effect 3 amazing as a bolus. yeah they motion captured and worked his face and modeled the, fa- the face of the volus after him look at how look at the uncanny resemblance New leak just confirmed that Danny De- Danny DeVolis is going to be a romanceable option in Mass Effect 4. <laughs> you won't believe what you have to do to get to first base. <laughs> or third. <laughs> Who's counting? Who's counting? Oh man. All right. But so what is what is the topic for today? Because I'm sure we're not talking about nipples. We're not talking about nipples. So we've been talking about races of Mass Effect uh the universe since episode six. And that's been about 17 weeks now. So this week we're talking about a, a pretty important group of beings that we haven't yet discussed. And that's because we really weren't sure if you can call them a race or rather races or not a race at all. We've also kept the subject of this episode a surprise, as you noted, Tom. Uh, so our viewers live don't yet know who we're discussing. Tom, you want to give him a hint? That's not the right button. Thanks. For- <laughs> <laughs> that was the right button. <laughs> there we go. So I think everyone knows now who we're talking about. That's right. We are talking about the Reapers. And we're going to be... <laughs> That would be an amazing interrupting sound throughout the rest of this lore right. cast or series. We, like, if we do a quiz show, whenever you get a wrong answer, I'm sorry, that is yes. incorrect. You are dead now. You, now you're, now you you're dead, and everybody you've ever known is also dead. Sorry. Yeah. Disclaimer: um, This is going to be a huge spoilers episode, obviously, uh, because we're talking about the primary antagonist of the entire trilogy. Yeah. And so what are they called again? We are called. They are called the Reapers. In case you haven't heard the soothing sounds of the Reapers, you can you can buy five copies of the anniversary disc from Time Life. <laughs> <laughs> it all remastered um that's an old reference that i think only people who watched tv at like 2 a.m will understand <laughs> yeah um, right, right yeah 15 years ago okay cool <laughs> yeah um but we're gonna try to explain this in such a way that even if you're unfamiliar with the series we're gonna introduce you to some of the nuances of the reapers i i'm not it's just whenever you say it it just happens at this point I'm not it's even gonna be a the, long episode. I'm not even hitting the button. It's, it's just like it's just learned. It's I, I don't know. So okay. <sighs> All right. So where where do we start? So let's start with uh, one of my favorites, the quotes and phrases that I attribute to all of the races. The Reapers are going to get one too, even though I don't. He said, he said it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> Even though it's like uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse, it's the word of the day. Uh Um, Even though I don't think that they're necessarily a race or races. um, But anyway, the the phrase for them is, it's only hubris if I fail. That's a quote widely attributed to Julius Caesar. So uh, for veterans of the series, I think they can obviously see why I've chosen. It's only hubris if I fail. Uh, For the Reapers... 
<laughs> I gave the pause there that time. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Um, because as we'll dive in uh, to see that they're pretty arrogant. Um, so let's start with a basic overview. If you're new to the series, you might appreciate this, uh, this part of the show. So a- as most people who have played through the series already know, though, the Reapers... I should probably stop doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll right. move on. I'll stop the Reapers that. are ultra advanced synthetic organic starships. But because of this, we can't really talk about them as if they have a typical biology because they mm-hmm. don't. Each, re- each Reaper is not an individual at all. Each one is actually a quote unquote nation comprised of millions, if not billions of harvested aliens from eras gone by. That's that's freaking amazing. I love that. Okay, so by harvested, you're talking about the um, 50,000 year cycle, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the Reapers cleanse the galaxy of all sentient life when they are at their technological apex, which they've calculated to be about every 50,000 years or so. And by cleanse, I mean that the Reapers abduct, slaughter, enslave, or process beings into more reapers they destroy entire planets with bombardments and they reaperfy ground shock troops to uh carry out their bidding reaperfied so how did they how did they come up with fifty thousand years like how did they calculate that so it's because the reapers created the advanced technology that galactic civilization depends upon and evolved around the mass relay systems and the citadel Uh, So by creating these things and making them just accessible enough to life harboring planets, they basically ensured that they could more easily predict and control how intelligent life evolved in the galaxy. According to Vendetta, the Prothean VI on Thessia and Mass Effect 3, the development of galactic civilization and cycles of extinction are way too regular and repetitive in the order of how they happen to be a coincidence. They have, quote, the same peaks of evolution, the same valleys of dissolution. So, you know, basically something uh, recognizing organics, organic life's affinity for the path of least resistance has arranged a set of pathways or rules that organics gen- generally follow. And the Reapers are the .exe program that follows the same protocol every time, wiping out everything the same way every time, because effectively nothing changes because that's the way it's been set up. Okay. So how did the Reapers accomplish wiping out all all intelligent life every 50,000 years. I mean, like, how did they distinguish between intelligent and primitive life? Well, I'll answer this second question first, because it has a simpler but possibly vague answer. There are a few competing theories in the universe about how the Reapers distinguish between intelligent and primitive life. The first theory is has this has the species achieved space flight if it has it's gone if it hasn't it's fine they're not going to touch it i don't actually think that this is the rationale for the reapers this isn't you know how they decide because they don't target the yag and the yag are on the cusp of space flight i mean they're basically there they're going to be there in like maybe a year or two as the way the packet puts it to us in mass effect 3 mm. well and besides how would the reapers know that right how would the reapers know 
every like because they're dormant in dark space so how would they know which species are about to achieve space flight it just seems way too specific so that brings me to my next theory has the species activated its nearest mass relay yet now how with the reapers having created the mass relays it would make sense if they get a little ping a little notification right yeah yeah Every they get time. a little buzz they get a little yeah they, boop, boop. this like, one's on ding, okay ding dong ding dong <laughs> these neighbors <laughs> it's time for them to die now the monkeys um, the monkeys on this little blue ball woke up okay got it yeah exactly got it and we will come back to them later <laughs> does and and then that kind of leads me to my third and my personal theory uh does the organic species have the capability of creating synthetic life i think this is the crucial factor and whether or not the reapers decide that they want to exterminate a race and we'll get into why my personal theory might apply a little bit later Mm -hmm. but to answer your first question how did they accomplish wiping everyone out every 50,000 years. Mm. Well, in, in what was the result of trial and error from countless cycles beforehand, we know the reapers use the Citadel as a front door into the Milky way from dark space where they remain dormant between cycles, dark space. And it, and it turns out that the Citadel is a mass relay itself. So since every cycle basically adopts the Citadel as their central heart of government, it's a huge target. And, th- and that's the way that it was meant to be. The Reapers built this enormous galactic space station with the express intent of having these organic races from then on out, adopting it as a heart uh, of government, because it's just built that way. They're like, here, move on in. It's, it's easy to just live here. Everybody just come on in. Yeah. Um, this enormous spaceship that's totally in great condition and kept alive by these, uh, mysterious green creatures that don't (laughs) respond to you whatsoever. Uh, don't worry about its previous inhabitants. They just disappeared. (laughs) Yeah. Don't worry about them. Also dark space is my new space metal band. Dark space. Yes. We are dark space. They are. Go, 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 go. They're the headliners for the Vorcha and the Yog. <laughs> right. <Yep>. Yes. <laughs> and uh, definitely the antithesis of Darwin's Finches. Yes. Although they get along really well backstage. <laughs> yeah. The, the on-screen feud is really just a stunt. Yeah. It's just a stunt. Yeah. They're, they're all into <laughs> They're all into organic food and... <laughs> They they all dine at vegan restaurants. Yeah, like this new place called Lemongrass. Yep, yep. They all they all smoke yeah. their doobies and go out for organic food after the show. <laughs> Sorry, go on. So, from there, from the Citadel being adopted, I mean, it's it's pretty much a cakewalk. The Reapers are kilometer long, near invulnerable, super advanced living starships with the ability to brainwash all life within a vicinity of 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 each starship hey so pause real quick if you have you guys ever seen the youtube videos where they compare the different sizes of starships there's there's one i don't remember who does it but he does one of those where like it's actually everything's rendered in 3d like like actual models and they start with like a person and then it gets like an x-wing and things like that and then it shows it compared to like buildings in new york city and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and then eventually there's a reaper like standing above new york city you need to go look that one up. It's freaking awesome. 
Yeah, I also recommend that video. Um, I've seen it. Don't know when I did, but I remember seeing it. It's been around for a and while. Just but having an entirely new appreciation for the threat of the Reapers. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty fr- like when you actually see that thing standing over New York City, you go, OK, yeah, I get, I get it. <laughs> OK, yeah, that's how that's big, big a kilometer sized standing Reaper would be over New York City. OK, yeah, we, we've got no chance. Got it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Ex- so obviously it's fairly easy for them to slice through conventional defenses, uh, even in the mass effect universe, because no matter how advanced humanity and the Turians and the Asari are, um, they're not nearly as advanced, which makes sense when you consider the fact that the Reapers have had millions of years to perfect their weapons, armor tactics, whereas their opponents every time really only have about 50,000 years to work with. Yeah, that makes sense. So, they're at a disadvantage. Um, the Reapers are definitely playing an opponent with a handicap every time. So, which is by design. Uh, so the Reapers, you know, like I said, they attack the seat of government right off the bat and easily overwhelm each cycle's government by instantly cutting off the head of the bureaucratic body. This is what happened to the Protheans. It's why they vanished. In fact, the name Reaper was merely created by the Protheans to give a voice to their destruction, as Sovereign puts it in Mass Effect 1. Mm. Um, Just a little tangent here about the Protheans while we're on the topic. Not all of them died during their cycle's extermination. In fact, some scientists on Ilos survived through hiding and realized that the Reapers were evolving individually enough so that only one reaper still responded to the signal that the citadel put out when it was genocide time so i want to repeat that again because there's a lot to dissect in that idea alone the reapers were evolving individually because they are a nation of people each reaper is supposed to be like an entire race basically and they've kept the genetic data from each entire race in the form of one reaper and so these reapers are evolving they're they're still evolving because although they are part synthetic they are also part organic and so the protheans realize this and the reapers have evolved all you know way past being able to decipher the citadel signal except for one and that reaper's name was sovereign so the scientists devised a way to reverse engineer a mass relay They traveled to the Citadel after it was captured during their cycle, and they altered the signal enough so that Sovereign could not automatically open the portal, which would have allowed the Reapers to pour in with Blitzkrieg. Long story short, those Prothean scientists gave Shepard's cycle a fighting chance. Hmm. That's... That's that's crazy. That's crazy stuff. It's crazy, right? Because the <laughs> game puts it forth as a minor detail. Yeah, no, that's right? like. Do you that, do you remember that? That's like that's like a. I mean, it's it's just such an important fluke. Like it it's the one, it's the one piece in the cycle that doesn't repeat. It's the hole in the, in the Death Star's shoot. It's the yeah. hole. Like it's it's the it's the one thing that's out of place. Like had that not happened, we would have ended up just in another cycle. It's crazy. It was like a hair's breadth, you know, uh, between extermination and being able to succeed, of course, which you do no matter which ending you pick. Actually, in three of the four endings uh, of Mass Effect, you succeed. Right, right. Um, But yeah, it's because of that action by the Prothean scientists who survived. Um, 
As for the Protheans who didn't survive, well, when the Reapers could not create them into another Reaper, they made them into collectors. So they end up becoming the pawns, the next ground shock troops of the Reapers so that the, the Reapers can use those shock troops to process other races into more Reapers. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Reapers just come from dark space and harvest the Protheans. That's, that's about as far back as we know? Not necessarily. They've been around far longer than that nearly a billion years but no one alive at this point knows for how many cycles they've done this the reapers themselves claim to shepherd to have no beginning and no end very very you know alpha and omega sure Um, but we know that this isn't true right right for one we know that sovereign while insanely beefy (laughs) can't take the combined (laughs) military strength of the asari humans and turians could barely take the alliance's fifth fleet uh by itself and two we know from preliminary findings from the discovery of the leviathan of dis that reapers must be at least a billion years old but as for whole you know the whole no beginning and no end i think players should know that this is total bullshit and nothing more than hubris from sovereign yes the reapers have a beginning and an end they were created by someone but we'll get into their origins and the why surrounding their cyclical genocide after the break. Sounds like propaganda. It is. Yeah. 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 Don't fear. <laughs> it's the, pure propaganda. Yeah. Don't fear the Reaper. Oh, wait, that's that's a cowbell. I'm looking for. No, I'm looking for like cowbell. You've got a Reaper and the only prescription is more cowbell. Yeah. Oh, these are not. That's that's close. I was looking for a... Oh, don't keep playing it. I was looking... Uh, anyway, let's go to the middle of the show. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign, and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. Hey, Simone. Yes, Chad. What would you say is your favorite bad movie? Oh, where would I start? But probably at Zombie Strippers. Oh yeah, which we've actually done on our podcast, Fresh Tomatoes, the movie podcast. This is a podcast where we take some of the worst movies ever created, and even some of those movies that you might have thought were brilliant, but still got a bad critic score, and we say nice things about them, because you know what? Someone put the effort in, so we're gonna be there, fighting in their corner. Absolutely, Chad. Even if the movie was total garbage, there are some makeup artists that gave it their all, and we're here to recognize that. Exactly. And with really fun themes every week, such as National Treasure Week, Weddings Week, uh, movies with Jeremy Irons and dragons in them, how could you go wrong by joining us every Tuesday and Thursday for some optimism in your life. And like we say at the end of every episode, we love you and there's nothing you can do about it. We love you and there's nothing you can do about it. Goodbye! I thought maybe there would be like cowbell hits like on a drum set, not the shaking of a cowbell. Anyway, I was trying to find a quick sound effect. Um, Anyway, thank you everybody for joining us for the show as usual. And thank you to all of our patrons. And we've got a few things to do this week because it's the it's a new month. This is September already. Crazy, right? So we've got some we've got to thank all of our new patrons from last month. So that also includes 
Whoa! Whoa! A new subscriber! And a new You're subscriber. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Uh, on Twitch, we got a new subscriber. Kevin, Kevin thank you for the subscription. Um, so we've got that. <laughs> we've got new subscribers on the Patreon, including Sam B, Meister Anchor, Devin A, Tyler O, uh, Stagger and Stumble upgraded last month. Thank you for thank you for that Stagger. Timothy M and uh, Gillian B. Thank you to all the new subscribers. You guys are awesome. Thank you to all of the subscribers, and then also thank you to our tier five plus subscribers. I'm pulling you guys up as we talk right now, and that includes Sovereign and Stagger and Stumble. So, man, you guys are awesome. We've got 37 subs this month, and in other news, and this is this is fun stuff. I have been tinkering around with some of my other patron patreons and sam knows about this on the fallout lore cast and the elder scrolls lore cast i recently upgraded our patreons to include merch like t-shirts and stickers so i've been working on some designs and i haven't finished my designs for the mass effect lore cast yet but that's something i'll be rolling out hopefully in the next few weeks i need to finish some design work but when that gets done what that means is that if you are a current patron, then at no extra cost, depending on what tier you are at, you will be starting to get merch. So uh, this should work like this. If you are a $10 tier patron, then you will start getting stickers. And if you are a $25 tier or higher patron, you will start getting shirts. And maybe we'll mix it up in some other ways. It depends on what I'm able to do, but we might throw in some other stuff. Like who knows, maybe we'll throw in like, I don't know, sweatshirts or whatever else. I we'll figure it out. I'll see what else is available. We'll put stuff together, but I need to figure out some designs first and I've been working on some fun things. So maybe we'll even do Darwin's finches. If you guys want a Darwin's finches shirt, maybe we can figure something like that out. We'll see. It'll be some fun stuff. So that means current patrons, no extra cost. You'll start getting some cool gear from us. And if you want to upgrade in the future, I will let you know. Or if you want to sign up in the future in order to not only get all the things that you can currently get at the current tiers, but also some also some really cool stuff like stickers or or shirts. And who knows? Maybe we could even do like mugs or, you know, maybe some other things. We'll figure it out. It'll be awesome. If you have some fun ideas for shirts or if you have fun, fun ideas for even other kinds of things that we could add to the Patreon, then let us know. We'd love to find out what your thoughts are on that. And you can always go to patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast. Check out all the different tiers and the things that you can do to help help us out. And we would love your help, especially if you feel like we've helped you get through the workday, your workouts, your drive to work, or just, you know, doing your dishes. Anything like that would be awesome. So thank you to all of our subs. You guys are amazing. Thank you so very much. All right, let's talk about some reviews. We've got some new reviews we've got to read out because we had some show up this last week. Let's start with this one. Jacob R. Spencer from the United States wrote, I should go five stars. Jacob writes, I've been tuning in on Spotify since day one. Robots and N7's chemistry just gets better and better. I'll be honest by saying that it seemed to take some time for them to really vibe, but they really are starting to come into their own as a team. Mass Effect fans should absolutely tune into this podcast. At the time of writing this, they're just wrapping up the races episodes, but there's already been so much content from just that. Fans are treated to some of the coolest sociology, political, ideological, biological facts about all kinds of alien races existing on this side of the Citadel. And it's set to 
only get better now that the groundwork has been laid by this hardworking, wildly entertaining duo. To top it all off, they're both just great people. Well, shucks. They didn't write it well, shucks. That was just my response. In general, <laughs> the, Discord, the Discord channels they run show just how down to earth and genuinely friendly they are to their community, and it means the world. The only critique I have is it just can't get enough of them. But that's just because they're already both so busy producing all kinds of content for Robots Radio. Keep up the great work, you truly bombastically talented and otherwise beastly team of terrifyingly brutal battle turtle buddies. Awesome. I love this. I just warmed the cockles of my heart. Oh boy, your cockles. All right. Um, <laughs> do we need a Battle Turtle Buddies shirt also? Man, I need. Oh, yeah. I can do design work. I don't know that I'm an artist. So we would need somebody to design us some Battle Turtle Buddies. I'm sure Twitter could help us out. Maybe Twitter can help us out. Can anybody do Battle Turtle Buddies? Here's the other thing is that the designs that are going to go up on the Patreon are never going to show up in the shop. So they will be only for patrons never to be sold outside of Patreon. So once they're no longer on Patreon, they'll never be able to get them anywhere else. So if you want limited edition stuff, that's where you're going to have to go get it. Then we've got clumsy ninja fan for life from Australia. Uh, this person, while upside down, wrote exactly what I was looking for and more and more. Do you guys get the upside down joke because they're on the other side of the earth? Not because they were actually upset. Anyway, I'll go on. Uh, I work eight hour shifts and needed that Mass Effect fix through the day to keep me going while waiting to get home to play the Legendary Edition. And I got to say, this podcast delivers lore, facts, scenarios, real world comparisons. These guys have perfected the right amount of everything you would want in a lore themed podcast. Both Tom and Sam bring their own unique strengths to the table, bouncing what ifs and jokes off each other. The chemistry alone is super fun to listen to. Guys, you would like to hang out with and talk games all day. That's true. We're super, we're super fun like that. I highly recommend, <laughs> and they're super humble. I highly recommend this to anyone looking to dive deeper into the Mass Effect universe and have some good laughs with along the way. Well, thank you, clumsy ninja. That's super sweet of you. That's that's awesome. Um, and then we have one more. The Wesbotron in Canada writes now this is podcasting you guys are absolutely fantastic fantastic and so much fun to listen to the conversations between you feel so natural especially when you guys go off on random tangents man we've got people who actually like our tangents now this is great which is what happens in conversations i super appreciate all the dad jokes no matter how cheesy corny they are well, thank you very much all around great show also i've heard rumblings about a darwin's finch's second album coming what this is news to me did you hear about a second album? Uh, well, you know, the success of horizontal collectivism was <laughs> just astronomical. Um, so, yeah, you know, they, it doesn't surprise me. I heard that they sold like 372 billion copies across the galaxy. So it was a big hit. Yeah. You know, I I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're poised for 42 separate albums. Wow. That's a lot of albums. <laughs> that's the answer that's, that's great the last All album right. last the 42nd album is going to be called the answer the answer to life the universe yep. and everything 42nd album Whew, that's a good reference there all right um <laughs> thank you to everybody who takes the time to help us out by leaving reviews especially these guys and uh ratings and things like that and even just telling your friends if you have friends who love mass effect let them know about the show that that's probably the best thing you could possibly do um, so thank you to everybody and genuinely like we, we joke around and stuff, but um, we love that you love the show and thank you for your kind words. We really do appreciate it. 
So, uh, what else do we have to talk about in the mid-break? Well, we got an exciting announcement about the next Mass Effect patron chat. Uh, yeah. Of course, as we all know, uh, and as we've said before, the end of the month, tier four patrons and higher can join us on the episode. And the topics of those episodes are normally decided by the patrons themselves. However, Tom and I wanted to step, th- step in and, and kind of spice things up a little bit and install the first mass effect trivia show so patrons are going to battle they're going to go head to head to see who has the deepest knowledge of the games and the lore like turtles and the winner will gain the temporary title of honorary specter can we make them honorary battle turtle baby battle turtle i tell you what the winner can be the 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 honorary whatever they want to be okay cool cool in true rpg fashion um <laughs> that's yeah, that's, yeah. there you go <laughs> and you know it, it'll also severely impress tom and i because i've written some of these questions to be very difficult uh seriously some of these questions are really obscure uh and i will be just shocked if someone gets all of them right this is gonna be so good this is gonna be so good yeah so um, make sure you sign up this is tier four and higher. If you want to join us by the end of the month, uh, make sure you sign up. This would be at our regular time. So we are currently recording and the recording starts at 1030 PM Eastern on Sunday nights. And so that's 730 Pacific. And if you live in a different time zone, then Google that and you'll figure it out. <laughs> but uh, th- that's the time that the recording happens. And that's the time we have to stick to because otherwise it's like corralling cats. So if you can't make the time, mm. then I'm sorry if that just doesn't work for you. But that's the time we're going to have to stick with. So hopefully if you can and you can join us, we'd love to have you. We're going to set up the, the game show that we can we can fit as many people who can make it can join us. And then you get bragging rights. You get to be like winner for the month, winner, winner, chicken dinner the month and i guess that's a different game but it is a saying so you, at least you can still say the saying so they got that maybe we'd have to create a one-of-a-kind you know mass effect lore cast trivia champion shirt or something for them <laughs> oh man now i now i really needed somebody to design something for me the problem with that is that it takes so long to do custom shirts and get them shipped out by the time like it actually gets there it would be like a month or two later i wish we, there was something we had that we could like get to them right away maybe we could make like a like a um like a little i don't know like an art thing that they could use and put like on their profile picture like on their discord or something oh yeah like a badge yeah like or a badge maybe a roll yeah a roll or a badge some, something that you can just kind of flaunt wherever you, you put it on your twitter account you can put it on your discord account and you can just kind of like everywhere you go you can just be like eh, look at me like I'm the Mass Effect lore master of the month or something like that. There hey, we go. There lore master. Go. That's it. That's nice. Yes. All I right. like that idea. Um, but yeah, that's uh, pretty much all we got. That's a lot of, a lot of news. Oh, speaking of patrons, uh, I believe we should probably issue a reminder to radio decks, radio decks. In case you haven't heard, you are the winner of the limerick contest, uh, previous contest that we ran. Yep. Yep. Yeah, let us know that you you found that out because we'd love to have you join us uh, at the uh, end of the month because um, obviously you weren't able to make it last month, so we'd love to have you. All right, well, we've got more Reaper stuff to talk about. So uh, let's go on with the rest of the show. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. Okay, so we know the Reapers 
aren't infinite. They aren't the alpha and the omega. They're not gods. So they do they have a creator though? And if and if they so, do. like who? Or they what? do. Um, so that takes us to a mysterious ancient race of massive <laughs> deep sea beings with mind control powers named not Cthulhu, uh, <laughs> the Leviathans, the sea slugs, the sea slugs, the, oh man, what's the name of those, uh, those people in, in ESO, the slowed, <laughs> yeah, the slowed, oh. the slowed are the ultimate. It's connected. Uh, we know elder scroll. The Tamriel is just a, a planet. Mundus is just a planet in, in mass effect. All right, there we go. Now we know exactly confirmed confirmed um no it takes us to the to uh the leviathans when commander shepherd the only known being to encounter the leviathans directly in this cycle um, meets them in mass effect 3 the leviathans claim to have created a quote intelligence in their time that went haywire ah somebody yelled to- at me the planet's called nern mundus is everything just to put that out there before I get How yelled at. How dare you? I can't believe How he does a lore podcast about Elder Scrolls. He doesn't even know the plan is called Nern. Sorry, sorry, guys. How dare sorry. him mess it up late on a Sunday sorry. night when he's talking about a different game? Sorry, everybody. All right, sorry. Go on. So, anyway, in, <laughs> wait, wait. The intelligence went haywire. Yes, and to understand why the Reapers are the way they are, let's back up a little bit to understand their creators. So, there's almost nothing left no ruins no documents no writings of the leviathan's race just one instance of cave paintings so it's hard for us to know too much about them aside from what they tell shepherd and this may have been an intentional action from the leviathans to hide all traces of their existence but according to a systems alliance research group named task force aurora the leviathans likely evolved on a planet with one other sapient species being bound to the ocean the leviathans eventually developed an ability to communicate telepathically and through objects so they used this ability to dominate land-based species to serve their needs this isn't too different from the thorian in mass effect one who enthralled species through toxic spores and then could use its subjects to communicate with each other sounds i don't know there's some moral issues with this but go on certainly uh yeah certainly (laughs) some some dominating uh (laughs) moral gray area here yeah it's not i don't think that the leviathans ever really debated it though um yeah probably eventually they do dominate everybody loves a good slave race right oh yeah and it turns out that that the leviathans you know create the land species that was coexisting with them on that world uh the the sapient species they dominate them to achieve space flight because otherwise the leviathans could not achieve the space flight because they're sea bound (laughs) they're massive creatures larger than whales and they're in the ocean (laughs) so they can't achieve space flight otherwise (laughs) um and this this alliance research group speculates all this and then it's kind of proven when when shepherd meets them and then they dominated species across the galaxy so they get to space flight through through enthralling this one sapient species on their home world and then they just take these objects which they can control minds and talk to people through to other worlds and then they and then they control those other aliens but there was a problem 
the Leviathan's thralls kept creating synthetic life to help them out. And that synthetic life inevitably rebelled, often killing large portions of the organic thralls. Wait, wait, we've never heard this story before. No, this this is totally new to the series, and this, this is a definite curveball that no one saw coming. Synthetic life rebelling against the creators. This doesn't ever happen. Right. At this point, the, the theme is a little bit cliche in the series itself. <laughs> um, but the Leviathans created a, a solution, an intelligence, otherwise known as the catalyst, to preserve organic life at all costs. Ironically, as the intelligence tried to find ways to carry out that order, it created an army of pawns that were dispatched to collect genetic data from species throughout the galaxy, much like the collectors in Mass Effect 2. Okay, so how did the intelligence create the Reapers then? It used its pawns to slaughter most of the Leviathans. And this was a total betrayal that somehow the Leviathans didn't see coming uh, and, and used their genetic data to create the first Reaper named Harbinger, who took on the Leviathan's likeness. Uh, that's why they look like giant space shrimp. Yes. they. So the oldest Reapers look like their creators, the Leviathans, right. um, Harbinger included. And so that is where they gain their likeness. And, you know, who would have guessed the intelligence rebels against the Leviathans? Although maybe rebel isn't the right word, because according to the catalyst, it and its spawns were merely fulfilling the Leviathan's orders to preserve organic life. Mm -hmm. Cloudy Atlas says they look like cuttlefish. Yeah, that's probably better. Yes, that's a best. I think that's the best uh, relative that we have here on Earth. Um, The rationale on the part of the catalyst is organics will always create synthetics to improve their own lives and synthetics will evolve by surpassing their creators. So by harvesting technologically advanced species, both organic and synthetic and storing these old species within invulnerable reaper bodies, there's room for new life to flourish and grow. You know, they could have saved a lot. A lot of these races could have just saved a lot of, I don't know, trouble by just watching the Terminator movies. Yeah, what were they thinking? What were they thinking? Just just watch freaking Arnie just be like, listen, look what Arnie's doing. Okay, don't don't make smart machines because they're going to come back and they're going to kill you. And then short-sighted. Yeah, like just don't do it. Okay, so we've talked okay, we've talked a lot about a lot about lore here, but we really haven't talked a whole lot about the Reapers yet. We've got a lot of background. What about the Reapers? What else do we know about the Reapers? Yeah. Um, so you could say that, um, fun fact, if you were curious as to exactly how reapers turned people into more reapers, Mm -hmm. there's some deleted dialogue from mass effect two that sheds a little insight. According to Edie, the captive humans on the collector ship were being reduced to their basic components by being dissected down to the atomic level. The data from the process could then be uploaded into a Reaper's neural network, thus storing the knowledge and the essence of the individual that was liquefied in the process, which makes sense why Harbinger then says being turned into a Reaper is a form of rebirth. And later, he says to Shepard that Shepard is the one wasting lives when Shepard is the one fighting the human Reaper. So. If you're following their rationale, that makes sense that they honestly believe that Shepard is the one wasting lives. Right. Because they are 
maintain they are recycling lives you could yeah say. in a very convoluted way right right um uh, side note go watch the expanse have you seen the expanse yet i just started it and Dude. i like it a lot it's very gritty are you are you past season one yet no i'm in episode one. Oh my so. god oh my god do you have to oh listen i'll be watching a lot of it watch it all tonight that's your job your well, job I is can't do that your job is to gotta, not sleep i gotta work your job is to not sleep and watch all four seasons of it tonight which is more hours than there are tonight you just gotta put them I all gotta, on like four, i gotta work and i'm like you just gotta put them all four four times speed watch them all tonight and then we have to talk about it tomorrow and you're not going to work all right if i was a solarian i could probably do that but we need to talk about some similarities I'm not going to tell you what similarities, but we need to talk about some similar similarities going on here. Also, yeah. Also, definitely. the best freaking, uh, best freaking physics in any sci-fi. It's anyway so lore heavy. I feel like this series is so lore heavy because I've started episode one, and I'm already like, "You're Holy lost. Shit, what You're the fuck lost. are they talking about? You will catch up. You will catch up. <laughs> yeah, I promise you." And it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, it will take you three or four episodes to start feeling like you're catching up. And by the end of the first season, you'll be like, okay, I, I think I get a handle on this. By the end of the second season, you're going to be fine. Um, but like, no, it's good. Anyway, sorry, side, side notes, but like everybody go freaking watch the expanse, do it, go. If you like space stuff, go, go do it. All right. Sorry. But we have to talk. Yeah. There's certain. There's certain things, parallels and things uh, conceptually and whatever that we have to talk about. But anyway, go on. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, there are many different, you know, common threads throughout a lot of different sci fi series. Oh, yeah. yeah there's, and there's a lot also, of themes and things that come up. But sure. Absolutely. There's also a lot of conjecture as to whether the Reaper's logic is inherently flawed or rather, I'm sorry, the Catalyst's logic, because as it turns out, the Reapers are nothing more than a tool of the Catalyst. Mm -hmm. The Catalyst is the intelligence. The Reapers are now the glorified, strengthened pawns. They're the tool of of the catalyst, yeah, right. of the intelligence. And so, there's a lot of conjecture as to whether their whether the catalyst's logic is inherently flawed. Destroy organics to save them, etc. And of course, there are plenty more plot points from the games that we could discuss in this episode. But you know what? I don't want to spoil everything. Um, a large portion of what we know about the Reapers that we haven't yet discussed in this, uh, in this episode is just their story with Shepard. It's their, their, it's, it's the story of, you know, Mass Effect one through three. And as I said, I don't want to spoil everything. I think that it's our goal in, in these episodes to sub supplement the game experience, not right. to replace it. Yeah. Uh, so if you're curious, go play them or read the wiki in its entirety. I don't know. <laughs> um, there's, there's also other external media like the books by Drew Carpishan, which I would highly recommend. Nice. Okay. So let's wrap this up. Final lessons here. Sure. I think there's three, I think there's three final lessons really. Okay. One, the protein scientists gave humanity and its cycle a fighting chance. Heck yeah, they did yeah absolutely oh geez right oh, geez. there and yeah we, i think okay so if, if we get mass effect, mass effect 4 and it is clearly which seems like it's going to be a direct sequel to 3 this needs to be like there needs to be a freaking museum where you go see these like you know somewhere enshrined in there is like 
if it wasn't for these Prothean scientists, we never would have stood a chance. Like, there needs to be something, right? Like, there does. Um, and in fact, like, I, I keep going back to that detail because as small of a detail as it may seem, it's like, well, of course, that seems like a pretty detail that, you know, a detail that's easy to write in. Even though they did that, they wrote the game in such a way that it's that it's like a minor detail mm-hmm. that when you find it, you feel like you've uncovered this trove of lore, which, in my opinion, isn't just good writing. It's good game design. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I just think I, I just keep coming back to that. And I think that's one of the you know big lessons we, that we should take away from this. And two, the Reapers, especially Sovereign, are speaking out of hubris. They do have a beginning. They do have an end. They do have weaknesses. Their existence and motives can indeed be comprehended by mortals. And their goals are not impossible for organics to understand. Contrary to Sovereign's speech on Vermeer and Mass Effect 1, the Reapers are not untouchable. Their arrogant overtures should not be trusted. Put quite simply, they're full of shit. Yeah, it's it's all propaganda. That's all it is. Yeah. It's meant to demoralize and discourage. Right. It's to make them seem bigger and better than they actually are. Which is of course, you know, any any enemy force is going to be doing that, right? It's like right. if you can win well, the battle before it starts because you've demoralized the enemy, then congratulations. Any organic enemy I think would think of that. But it's interesting to see a synthetic organic take advantage of that kind of if it's tactic if it's a tactic that works then it would be rational to use the tactic yes so therefore a synthetic might use it and again yeah given how many cycles the reapers have been through maybe this is just something that they did once and they found that it works very well right so or or studied a race maybe they studied a race that they destroyed and they saw that this was very effective for that race so they you know i mean they basically you know consumed those races and kind of worked them into themselves anyway right so yeah why not yeah and the third lesson uh which has two different parts if we want to be cynical i think we can infer that all of this all the events of mass effect one through three with the catalyst as the grand villain behind the curtain is really all because the leviathans didn't want to lose their playthings and thralls (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's why they did all this, because they didn't want the organics to be killed by the synthetics that those organics would create. So why wouldn't they want that? Well, because our tools are dying. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that is their their power, like their power lies in their in their uh, the use of those tools. So if we want to be cynical, that's the way we'll look at it. Right. Right. Um, But if we want to be pragmatic, maybe optimistic. I'd say we can't possibly say the catalyst's logic is justified. A, because that would force us to trust the narrative of a space AI who has been emotionally manipulating the player into completing its mission for it. B, because really, the catalyst is so convinced that organic life will always create synthetic life, which will then destroy it entirely. Based off of what plethora of evidence in universe that the catalyst would have known it's not like the catalyst came to this conclusion after witnessing countless cycles and then gathering a a ridiculously large sample size it didn't it came to this conclusion shortly after it was created 
while still under the operation of the Leviathans. So I question the legitimacy of its conclusion there. Let's also not forget that the Geth did kill nearly every Quarian, but the operative words there are nearly. They purposefully allowed the Quarians who did remain to retreat. They had the power to, but the Geth willfully did not ex- exterminate the Quarians. They could have made them go extinct, but they didn't. And the Geth are fully synthetic, of course. And C, because as we know, evolution is trial and error. It is random, and although there may have been, uh, there have been many instances in the Mass Effect universe where they created rebel against the creator, uh, that doesn't mean that will always be the case. See example, Geth with Corian. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those yeah. are lessons I think we should take from it. Yeah, it makes sense. It's not like they, you know, I mean, if they're billions of years old, so they didn't come to this conclusion after, you know, 10,000 cycles. They, you know, they came to the conclusion first and then acted on it and then acted as if yeah. the conclusion was correct from that point forward. Yeah. They, there's a lot of retroactive justification there. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's a solid so, point. Yeah. Interesting. Um, hmm. It's true. I wonder what well, that the synthetics would rebel against the creators, but that rebellion could take many, many different shapes. It could, um, but it doesn't mean that. So the, the original purpose, why they were created was the reapers were created by the intelligence, by the catalyst as a means to preserve organic life indefinitely in digital form in a reaper. Um, because the assumption was that as soon as that organic life creates synthetic life, that will be the end of that organic life. Right. Like right. the synthetic life will exterminate all of that organic. Right. Life. Right. Right. Which but is, that's which is, a, that's a very specific conclusion. All right. That, that's what also I'm saying. very He's... interesting to note. How many cycles did this happen where the reapers said, or I'm sorry, the catalyst said, this is because the synthetic life is exterminating organic life. But what ends up happening? The, there, how much evidence do we as the player have of synthetic life from previous cycles? Yeah. None. Right. So that would serve to, you know, tell us that the Reapers also exterminated them too. Um, so this kind of goes back to my earlier point about what was the protocol for the catalyst deciding whether or not to um, deem a race intelligent enough to be harvested or to primitive to be harvested. It's could the race was the race capable of creating synthetic life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's interesting. Now, my final thoughts on this, because because there are gaps in our knowledge about all of this, that leaves some really interesting places that the writers can go with it. For example, there there are some vagaries around what the Leviathan what their actual motivations were beyond just uh, their own goals of, you know, expanding into the universe or sustaining their own existence or whatever. Right. And what if there was uh, the, the concept of harvesting these other intelligent life forms? Is there more of a goal to that than what there seems to be? There could be. And I think that they could very well tie this into the dark energy plot line. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when I was doing the research uh, for this episode. Of course, I remembered it mentioned in dialogue, but I, I came across so many different uh, crossroads of the dark energy plotline and the Reapers. Yeah. And so it lends credence to the, you know, uh, theory that we've discussed on some patron chats right. about how the, the dark energy plotline was canon. Or and even if that's not it, is there is there some greater big bad out there? Is there some reason? Is, is there some uh, multi-galactic reason why Reapers would be harvesting intelligent life from the Milky Way galaxy in order to continue their own evolution towards some sort of greater power, some sort of greater evolutionary goal in order to overcome some sort of greater big bad. That's not even the dark energy issue. That's right. Because uh, there's no, there's not even like an emotional response from the Leviathans when you tell them about what's happening a, because they already know B because they're like, well, the catalyst is doing its job. Um, it's just hmm. not the job that we imagined. Uh, yeah. And then they, they decide to get involved reluctantly and kind of indirectly. Um, but then interestingly enough, if you've played the Leviathan DLC and you get to the end, um, as Shepard, you, you talk to the catalyst and you can mention that the Leviathans have joined the fight. Your creator has joined the fight, you know, which hmm. if you're Shepard should be like a mic drop moment, right? Yeah, guess what? All this shit about you being invulnerable, well, it's all bullshit, and I know it is, and your creators have joined the fight, you know, dad's home, and you're screwed. Right. Um, and yeah. it's not. And the catalyst says, okay, well, they're welcome to, uh, but we're just doing what they told us to. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there very well could be a inter, like, intergalactic issue going on that we have no concept about. Because we're looking, we're looking at in a, what, a, how old is the universe? 14 billion year old universe. We're looking at a, like a, a cycle of Reapers that have been going on for a billion years. And there may be an issue that's now five, six billion year old issue that's been going on that the Leviathans tapped into, that they found out was happening and is a threat on a scale on a timeline significantly longer than anything that's that's that would that's going to make you know t time you know, t cycles of 50,000 years seem like like just drops in the ocean and that yeah, and it could and, be threatening it be galaxies the, it might sound weird but it might be the better ending having the leviathan having created the reapers and then basically wiped out the leviathans only for Shepard, then, however many cycles later, to wipe out the Leviathans, or I'm sorry, to wipe out the Reapers and the mm -hmm. Catalyst, because then the Leviathans are no longer a threat and they're not controlling everyone across the galaxy anymore. Right. Um, so yeah, but like, what, what that's if very what, yeah, what what if the actions of Shepard actually put us more at risk of whatever the greater issue is out there in the universe? And then now, what if we have to mount some sort of response to that because, like, we broke the cycle. But there's a greater ticking bomb out there that's coming. And had the Reapers been ready for that, they would have been able to fight it off. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. I, I think we're getting into the Marvel like yeah. realm. Well, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta ramp it back up. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you, there's gotta be a bigger bad out there somewhere. There's gotta be something else going always on. Has to be. There's always has to be. Right. And so, you know, like, so how do you, how do you, how do you fight back against something even bigger and better? You know, like what else is there in the universe that could be able to do that? Yeah. You know, like what else is going on? So, you know, one of the other interesting things I wanted to mention before the end of this episode, just a, a theory that I saw on some forearms, uh, while I, forums rather, or, <laughs> while I was researching tattoos so that or, people are, on some forearms. That's what I'm going to do. I'm uh, going to get tattoos. I'm going to start like <laughs> tattooing theories on my arms. Interesting theory, uh, that I saw was that the reapers were just an allegory for the original sin. So the reapers were basically God's judgment coming to wipe humanity and every other species off of the face of the earth for the original sin. The original sin, of course, would be humanity wanting to attain the knowledge of gods, right? Okay. Um, eating from the tree of, 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 you know, the knowledge of good and evil, but eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in this uh, theory would have been activating the mass relay. Okay. So I can kind of see where they're going with that, especially because there's so many uh, Jesus allegorical details for Shepard. Sure. Right. Sure. And well, he it, dies if, to exit, to absolve humanity of the, the weight of the original sin. I guess so. You, you'd probably want to lay in some other things like uh, a warning not to have done it and the temptation to do it. Yeah. Like, if Shepard was very against space travel, <laughs> this right, would work. <laughs> right. Like Shepard was tempted by a woman to do it. And the woman was tempted by a snake and the snake could have been an alien, you know, like could have been the elusive man, the elusive man, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I wonder, I wonder if we there's other have connections have, you can make. There's so many details that obviously the writers at Bioware are, um, Judeo-Christian scholars, I think, oh, to sure. some extent. I'm sure they're scholars because, of all sorts of things, too. Yeah, yeah, because there's so many little details in there that are beyond coincidence that we may have to have an episode one day of like, a, you know, is Shepard supposed to be Jesus? Right. Uh, where we kind and, of examine yeah. these these different uh, qualities of Shepard. That would be fun. Make it, uh, oh, you know, he, he just doesn't have the right beards, the options to make a, to make a Jesus-looking... Yeah, Shepherd, can yeah can someone maybe through mods on pc oh, create jesus shepherd that's what we should because, do that's what we, so, so there you go before you get your pc in somebody should can you look up mods but i bet there's a jesus mod out there somewhere so we should send him links to a, a jesus mod so that your next playthrough you can be jesus jesus shepherd it's pronounced jesus <laughs> oh my god they could be the most offensive can you do like a really bad hispanic accent and then oh, stream no. it. I'm not gonna do and that. And then just on offend air. everybody. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> yeah, not gonna oh, do that on air. Oh god. That would be so bad. <laughs> oh, okay, don't do that. Anyway, um, I think we're done with the show now that we're making all sorts of terrible jokes. Um Well, we've been doing that the whole time anyway. Well, anything else you want to share before we go? Uh, yeah, I'm going to be continuing my playthrough of Mass Effect 3 on Twitch. That's at in 7 Legend, same as Twitter. I'm almost done with Mass Effect 3. I'm just a little bit past halfway. So I imagine that I'm going to be streaming probably three more times before I'm finished with Mass Effect 3. Maybe I'm not accounting for DLC here, but I'm trying to get it done before my gaming PC is delivered. It seems pretty quick. And that... 
that's on the, the 13th. That's, so how long is each of these streams going to be? That seems pretty fast. I'm thinking three hours. So okay, another nine. I always Another just nine, end up running back and hours. I spend so much time just running back and forth between people going, did I miss a conversation thing over here? Where is this person again? Like I totally get you because I don't like leaving a stone unturned, especially in that game. I need to like, I don't know. <laughs> I just, I just wanted. Mm, okay. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. That's thank you. That's part thank of, you. that's part of what makes it hard for me to keep playing is that the amount of time it takes to just go from conversation to conversation i need to finish you're right i need to finish the trilogy i haven't finished it yet i need to finish it i need to get back and play some more um but sometimes i just you know okay so just my playthrough uh of mass effect 2 part of the frustration is even with the entry stuff and even playing these ridiculous characters that i've started i still don't I don't think I'll ever be able to get back my original playthrough of Mass Effect 2 with all the decisions I made. Like, I love that original playthrough, but I can't, I don't think that I can remake the decisions that I made the, the way I did with the character that I, and like, that's part of my frustration is that like, that's my playthrough. I want, I want that. I want that back. That's your canon Shep. That's my canon yeah. Shep. And, and I just, it just doesn't feel right still. And then maybe I can try and start another one and just see if I can like be really careful about the like the intro questions and get that as close as possible and then just commit to it because i've restarted it a few times and it just never quite feels right you know i know that you're not a huge fan of mass effect one but i will say that there are me replaying the trilogy back to back to back now yeah i'm seeing it there are so many seemingly inconsequential details in mass effect one yeah. choices you make where you, they overlap in ways you never would have expected it come mass effect three and it doesn't mean the end of mass effect three it yeah. happens while you're playing right so yeah it's 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 the time it takes to just like run down corridors and just find somebody on a ship that's the stuff that just like wears me out you know like if there was less of that and more of just the you know the action and the interesting dialogue that happens after something happens or the, like the you know the denouement of the situation and seeing the thing that unfolds you know like that stuff i love that stuff i absolutely love that stuff but it's the it's the time it takes in between all the stuff that makes me just go oh this part takes so long um because it's all those little bits that just take forever so yeah i was i was thinking about how sweet mass effect if the next mass effect had the type of cinematic quality uh, and animation quality as like Final Fantasy. Imagine how compelling the scenes could be. I mean, that'd yeah. be crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. I just, I just want less of the like time it takes to between stuff. I, I same. Um, I don't know. I have some issues with other role playing games too, especially playing back through them again. Is some of the non skippable stuff. It's just like the time it takes to get through it, because some parts of it are just so good, and then the other parts like the. I don't know the slow parts like if i'm gonna sit down and i've got two hours if i if i've got lots of work to do and i've got family stuff but i've got like an hour or two to just do it i don't want to feel like an hour and a half of it was running down corridors and trying to figure out who to talk to 
You know what I'm saying? I want to feel like oh, I, I actually totally get that. I actually made some real progress. That's what I want to feel like. And that's that's the frustration. And when I make that actual progress, I want to feel like it totally matched the character that I was wanted to play as. <laughs> and I don't feel like, you know, like, wait, this doesn't make any sense because that's not how I ended Mass Effect 2. Oh, crap. No, that's right. Because the decision I chose isn't the same thing I chose. Crap. It's not. Oh, it's just not right. Yeah, that's stuff. And there's another effect from streaming, right? Especially yeah. when you're streaming, because when you're streaming, you feel a certain compulsion to keep the the, the pace upbeat. That's you true. Don't, you that's can't true. just take your time and read through things. That's boring to watch, right? Right. Um, and we're not like, you know, we're not ninja. Uh, people aren't <laughs> going to watch us do that. Um, so, yeah, I feel the same compulsion when I'm playing RPG games to kind of like pick up the pace not take my time, not be diligent, read every detail, kind of skip over some minor choices maybe. Yep. But with mass effect, that becomes pretty hard. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, I only get so much time to play games. So sometimes it's it's a little bit hard to do that. Um, the other, the other thing to do is to just kind of watch more playthroughs and then I can, I can skip like past some of the run through stuff so I can catch some of the story bits especially from playthroughs where I wouldn't have made those decisions because then I can see the stuff that I won't choose. And that's fine. I've done some of that. Like I've spent some time watching playthroughs for like, um, like the, like the really high, uh, renegade stuff because like a lot of those renegade decisions, like I just, I just didn't make, like I, I went very paragon on my, my main playthrough. I made few re renegade decisions, but I went very paragon. Um, so watching some of the more that stuff is, is interesting and I don't have to play through it again to catch the story bits on like somebody else's playthrough. So, so I've, I've spent more time doing that cause I can, I can keep that on the side while I work on stuff, you know, like that's a little bit easier to do than to play through it again. But if I'm playing something, I want to, yeah. I want to focus on it. But then if I'm focusing on it, I don't want it to be hallways. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, always in elevators. Always in elevators. Yep. All right. Well, we got to wrap it up. Um, you guys know how to get a hold of us. You guys know where we are. And uh, you got anything else going on? For we, we got the mass. Uh, we've got Mass Effect tonight. We've got the uh, Xbox Game Pass show tomorrow night. So if you enjoy, if you enjoy the crazy banter and you like Vigia games that you can play on your PC and Xbox and even your phone, which is crazy because of the cloud gaming thing then check out the Xbox Game Pass show it's tomorrow night. You can listen to it on any of your podcatchers. And we'll be, we every week we talk about one of the new games that's out on Xbox Game Pass, but it's also out on other stuff as well. So you don't have to be an Xbox Game Pass person to enjoy the show because we talk about a lot of games that are just new and coming out. So um, we recommend you come check it out. And if you pick up those games, whether you're on Game Pass or not, you can always play with us as part of the Game Pass gang. And um, I've got a, a group on there who have been playing um, Destiny 2, which, man, I just I speaking of games in a little bit of time this weekend, my my son got to go hang out with his grandparents. So I spun up Destiny 2 again because I hadn't played any of the two, last two years of content. And holy crap, that game has improved over the last two years. That game's amazing. So good. So, so good. I'm going to have to try destiny two again, because I think I only tried it one time when it was like first available to me. I don't even know when that would have been, but I think I downloaded it, played it for like 30 minutes and I was like, eh, I'm deleting this dude. So good. So good. So, so, so good. Yeah. Um, and t t tree, 
uh, in chat says, hated the first few Citadel visits to Mass Effect because it took so long. Yeah, that part really slows down in Mass Effect 1. And then it picks up after that. Um, Mass Effect 2 was, I don't know. Mass Effect 2 is great. It was more of an action hero tale than Mass Effect 1 was. Mass Effect 1 was to sci-fi what high fantasy is to like Skyrim. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mass Effect uh, 1 felt more like Star Trek. Mass Effect yeah. 2 spelt, felt more like Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can see that. It's Mass Effect 2 is when, of course, that's when EA bought Bioware. So there were some shakeups with how things go- went, I'm sure. Um, Daydreamer Nick here in chat says, is there any possibility the Catalyst was hoping to eventually see the organics win and see how far evolution gets to where they eventually surpass them and win and thus become better tools for Leviathans. I think that's a stretch to say like, like Shepard makes it to the Citadel approaches the catalyst and the catalyst is like, congratulations. It was all a test. <laughs> you know, like, like, Oh wow. Thanks. This is quite the elaborate prank. <laughs> you really got me. It is a all of a sudden a mustache, and he's like, hey, "You, you made it through my tests." <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool test, man. Thanks. <laughs> like, all right, glad right. we could prove you wrong. Yeah, sweet dude. All right, well, yeah. hey, it's time to wrap up the show. Thanks everybody for being here, and uh, I'm glad you enjoyed our secret episode. <laughs> all right, well, and of course. Why don't we mention what we're doing next week? Yeah. Because that's the start of a new chapter in the Mass Effect Lorecast. We're going to be talking about the factions of the universe. And we're going to start with the Systems Alliance. So I'm not even sure how many episodes the factions are going to take us. Uh, I'm expecting it to be a decent sized chapter, uh, but it should be the next big thing for the Mass Effect Lorecast. I'm excited. This is going to be fun. So I'm looking forward to it. You guys have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time. Until then, be safe. And hopefully we'll see you tomorrow night for the Xbox Game Pass show. Same time, same channel. We'll see you there. Bye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at MassEffectLorecast at gmail.com. Ahoy there, ye landlubbers. Avast, my name is Captain Logan, and I'll be your guide out on the Sea of Thieves. If you love the idea of stealing treasure, cutting down cursed skeletons, fighting off krakens, and raiding forts filled to the brim with shinies, then Sea of Thieves is the game for you. Join me each week as I dive into the news and bring back the nuggets of information that any sailor worth their weight in salt would desire. You don't have to be a pirate legend to gain access to my podcast. Just search for Keelhauled, a Sea of Thieves podcast in your podcast app of choice or head over to robotsradio.net or captainlogan.podbeam.com and get ready to set sail for adventure. My name is Brian Burton. 
It's been 26 years since the bombs fell. And since I've left the vault, I've been trying to rebuild. This isn't the Appalachia that I remember. There's so much more to everything going on. And I promise to find the answer. So if you're out there, if you're listening, just hone in on these coordinates. Remember, there's a place for you at the end. Omega. The Omega Broadcast Fallout Story is available on iTunes, Spotify, and many great podcasting sources.